Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, March 14th, 2021. If you are a nerd and a math guy, then you realize that today is National Pi Day. 3.14. Another number to throw at you. This is the 73rd day of 2021. See, all you nerds in here are like, yeah, we already knew that. <laughs> I know you did. I could, I could tell. Today is the 73rd day of this year. 73rd day already. Wow. We are working towards 100 days of what God has spoken to us about, which the Lord has been directing us. He is maximizing us. He is securing us. He is perfecting us. He is equipping us. He is propelling us. He is multiplying his, effective in, his effectiveness in us. Can somebody raise a hallelujah in this place? Hallelujah! See, God is providing for us an ancient path. Come on, some of the difficulties that you've been under, some of those tensions that have been there, a fogginess that has come upon you lately, you know why? It's because you're actually finding the ancient path that Amen. God has for you. Come on, there are a lot of ways out there, but there is only one ancient path that God is going to put you on. And when you're really there, you start going, wow, why is this difficult? Why are my emotions all over? The why is this going on? It's because you found the right way. You actually found and God has put you on the right way. One that, a way that's been filled with the ancient wine. Filled with the miracle of fermentation as the change agent of the kingdom is at work inside of you. He's opened our eyes to the ancient mountains. Yeah, yes. When you let that sink in from last Sunday, it's hard to look at any passage of scripture that is just talking about a mountain now before you go, wait, are we talking more than just a physical mountain? Are we talking about clashing of kingdoms? Are we seeing the spiritual forces at work in the battle that's before us? Yes, yes you are. We learned on Wednesday that our ever-moving, ever-expanding, this mobile mountain that God has is calling us into battle. Somebody say battle. Battle. What makes everything that's going on in your life make more sense when you actually realize you are in a battle. I've been hearing that my whole life, my whole Christian life. Man, we're in a spiritual warfare. And I don't know what we've all been thinking, but we're surprised when we actually have to fight. Yeah. There's an army that's rising up. Our worship team is leading us. Yes, there's an army rising up. Now let me go be comfortable somewhere. That's not how this works. There's an army rising up, but the intention is that it's you and I that he's rising up. See, this is what we're doing. This mobile mountain is calling us to battle. It's empowering us to victory with our warrior king. Everybody in the room, turn to Psalm chapter 24 and get ready. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Get ready. Turn to the other person you didn't want to talk to. Say, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Say, warrior king, when you're at Psalm 24. Let's shout it one more time. That's what I'm talking about. Josiah, I heard your voice crack. That's good. We're oh, shouting. Oh, man. Get it. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. How much? Everything. Everything in it. And all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. In this very first verse... Of Psalm 24. You know what God is doing here as the warrior king? He's establishing supremacy. Yeah. Look, 
I don't just own everything. I made everything. This entire planet, this entire universe, I am the one who created it and set it on its foundations. Man, what a perspective to begin with when you're engaging the warrior king that is our God. What kind of king do you have by your side? What kind of king do you have leading you into battle? It's the one who founded the earth on its axis, established it on its waters. So therefore, what do you lack whenever you are following your warrior king? Nothing. Because everything is underneath his control and his supremacy. You know, this is establishing the ancient path. Verse 1 and 2 is establishing God's ability to lay down and found the creation of the entire universe and therefore the creation of the very ancient path that we're on. Look at verse 3. Who may ascend, shut it down, the mountain, mountain. of the Lord. Mountain. Who may stand in his holy place? And then this is not just a rhetorical question. There's actually an answer to it. Who is going to be able to ascend the very mountain to be a part of the kingdom of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? Yeah. The one who has clean hands. Everybody say clean hands. Clean hands. And a pure heart. Say pure heart. Pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol. Say no idolatry. No idolatry. Or swear by what is false. This idea of having clean hands and a pure heart. By the way, this is not your definition of what clean hands are. No more than you can trust in a two-year-old to go wash their hands by themselves. No. If you've ever had little kids, you know, hey, go take a bath when they get a little bit older. Go take a shower. My son, who will soon be a father, would spend... 4.3 seconds inside of the bathroom and then come out and say, Dad, I'm done cleaning. Son, you're literally not even wet. But did you hear the shower on, Dad? Yes, I heard the shower on, but it clearly did not affect you at all. See, he was trying to define what clean hands are. But his father had to teach him what clean hands really are. See, we're not asking you to determine based on your own righteousness what clean hands are. The one who is going to ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place, he's going to have clean hands as determined by the one who created the holy place. As the one who has formed the earth and everything in it. As the one who created the mountain itself. So if that's about our hands, what can be about our hearts today? It's easy when you're thinking about hands. It's a little bit easier there. Got to get my deeds in order. The truth is, is God is going to give us clean hands today, and he's going to give you a pure heart. Amen. Unmixed. No contaminants in it, like contaminants like fear. Contaminants like discouragement and depression. Contaminants that are in your heart, and you're like, no, but I'm really clean. I got a pure heart. I mean, really, just look at my intentions. That's no better than what Gabe did when he was four and commanded to go take a shower. But the Lord is going to help us. The one who actually has clean hands and a pure heart, who is free from idolatry. Oh, pastor, we don't worship idol idols in this place. The Lord is going to help you to overcome every form of idolatry in your life today. Amen. Amen. This is not a message for someone else. So we're going to record it and we're praying that many, many people get blessed. But our primary, our number one, our only concern right now is those of you sitting in this room. We're talking to you. 
no idols and not swearing by false gods, they will receive. Somebody say will. Will. They will receive blessing from the Lord. We're not even seeking after the blessing, but that's what will happen. And vindication from God, their Savior. Y'all making me want to preach up in this place. Mm. You're going to receive blessing and get vindication from the Lord. Proof that what you're doing and the ancient path that you're on is right. He will give you vindication. You don't have to fight for your own vindication. You don't have to fight to receive the blessings. You will receive these things from the Lord. Such is the generation. Somebody say generation. generation. Man, what a good opening from Adam Cora this morning. Right on the mark. It's almost like he was hearing from the Lord and knew how to help the worship team get to an understanding of generations because that's what we're understanding here. Such is the generation of those who seek him, but you're not just seeking God for what he can do. You're literally seeking to be close to him. You're seeking his face. This God of Jacob. See that ancient mountain path that reminds you that God first works in his people, Israel, and then we are able to receive the same type of blessings. You're going to seek God's face on this ancient mountain, this mobile mountain, because God has got something for us today. Who in this house is a mobile mountain? All right, you've experienced an interaction, an engagement with God up on that mountain. You know what you are now designed to go do. And when you set foot to go do it, what usually happens? You get punched right in the mouth, right? As the saying goes, the, the pugilist adage, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. As we're moving forward as mobile mountains and multiplying ministries as mobile mountains, who's had a little bit of opposition and resistance as you've been seeking the face of God? Being a mobile mountain, that is to be expected. That is part of the engagement with the heavenly realms. Well, look at verse 7 in Psalm 24 and see how this continues as you seek the face of God. Lift up your heads, you gates. Everybody say gates. Gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. Hmm. That the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, Yahweh, strong and mighty. Yahweh, mighty in battle. You know what the next thing that you have to set your face towards whenever you are seeking the very face of God is knowing his character is Gibor, knowing that his character is Chazak, knowing that he is mighty in battle for you because you are for him. But it begins with an interaction, these ancient doors. We've been talking about ancient paths, ancient mountains. And what we're now going to engage this morning is ancient doors. Help me out a little bit. I'm just simple-minded sometimes. What are, what are, what's the function of doors? Entrance, right? And also to shut out what is on the outside. We're going to take a look at some ancient doors this morning and understand how it correlates with the, the proclamation in this psalm of who God is. That he is strong. He is mighty. In fact, he is mighty in battle, but it involves engaging his ancient doors. Take a look at verse 9. Lift up your heads, you gates. There's a refrain here. There's another repetition because it doesn't, the psalmist David is making sure that you're getting this. Lift up your heads, you gates. 
Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, Yahweh Tzavaot. He is the yeah. King of glory. He is the commander of the armies of heaven. This is the King of glory that we are talking about. Now, we're going to talk about some ancient doors in this house today. Just like we've been talking about ancient mountains on the ancient path here. I actually had this thought that while we were doing this, there are many ancient doors, but there's only one that the Messiah is going to walk through, that the King of yeah. glory is going to appear in. There's only one that you and I are able to walk in. This is not going to be like an old game show that they used to call, I believe my parents watched it. Okay, maybe I did too as a kid. Oh yeah. It was called Let's Make a Deal. And I just figured out the age of everyone in the room. I know exactly where everyone just falls based on you nodding or not nodding on that game. And what would happen is the people would dress up in the most ridiculous costumes and they were offered by the game show host. You can have what's behind door number one. You can have what's behind door number two. Or you can have behind what's door number three. And sometimes none of the doors had good answers. Literally people would like arrive with goats or pigs. They would get gifted on the game show. Some would walk away with the cars, and others walked away with barnyard animals. Work, work, work. <laughs> exactly. See, there are a lot of ancient doors that people can choose, but there is only one. Somebody say one. One. There is only one ancient door that we are talking about today, and that leads us to the title of our sermon. It is the ancient door. Somebody say the ancient door. Let's start looking at this ancient door. Everyone turn with us to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to be looking at this passage in the ESV. Genesis 6, and we're going to start in verse 11. Say, the ancient door when you get there. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. <laughs> Just to be clear, it's corrupt. Are you getting the theme here? The corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Do you hear the clear call that God is making, pronouncing his judgment that is going to come? We all know this story. We're very familiar with it. And we know that what he is judging, this corruption of the ancient path, has been largely spearheaded by the Nephilim that are present on earth. And he's putting an end to all these corrupt alternative mountains. He's putting an end to all these corrupted alternative paths. These corrupted, exalted towers, and even these corrupted ancient doors, these means of entry and barring out. See, God is going to bring into judgment those that stood opposed from him and chose a way alternative to him. But he's also going to bring salvation through the ancient door. In fact, 2 Peter 5, it, it, it declares that God didn't spare the ancient world, but he protected Noah because he was a preacher of righteousness. That those beings were held in darkness, in chains, and that what he is going to do is protect the ones who are part of his righteous, pure, unmixed family. No, for sure. 
It says in that same passage in 2 Peter 2, verses 4 through 5, that God protected Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness. Let's go on in, in Genesis 6 and look at verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Mark, I'm sorry, make rooms in the ark <laughs> and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof, a tzohar, for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. Judgment is about to come on the whole world right here. God is preparing a vehicle, a sanctuary for his salvation. See, there might be many, many plans that people had. It's one thing for that preacher of righteousness, Noah, to be preaching for over 100 years and saying, there is judgment coming. God will not spare his judgment, but he has given you a door to walk through. I'm building it right now. It's right before you. There is an ancient door that yeah. you can enter in. And people scoff. They thought, that can't be the only door. We're going to ignore you. We're going to mock you. We're going to laugh at you because you are saying that there is a singular ancient door. But there was only one. There was only one that was provided to be a sanctuary of salvation. Somebody say sanctuary of salvation. Sanctuary of salvation. See, this process of it being built and God declaring his truth over and over, decade after decade, an entire, more than an entire century, the very door to the ark, the sanctuary of salvation was built through faithfulness over time, and therefore it is the only door that was worth entering. It was the only way to find salvation. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 7 and see how the story continues on. As we turn to Genesis 7... Have you guys ever been mocked for having only one ancient door that led to a sanctuary of salvation? Yeah. Mocked because you put all your eggs in the basket of the kingdom of God while everyone else was diversifying their investments of salvation, <laughs> putting in a variety of areas. But when it comes down to it and the judgment of God comes, so does also his salvation for those who have entered through that one and only ancient door. Man, what we possess inside of us is of the heavenly realms. What we possess inside of us can endure the mockery of men and even of the heavenly beings and stand for an eternity and serve as a beacon of light and hope today. Genesis 7 verse 15, pairs of all creatures that have breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals were going in were male and female of every living thing and God had command as God had commanded Noah then the Lord shut him in there was a time when all the creation that God wanted to preserve the call had stood for over a hundred years to enter into this sanctuary of salvation entering through the ancient door that that door was then shut access to it was closed See, shutting in is a protection from the Lord. It is a blessing and vindication from our God, all the while serving as judgment on those who would not enter through the one door that he prescribed. The one door that the preacher of righteousness declared to the whole world. There are many ancient doors, but there's only one that saves, and God himself ordered it built, and then there came a certainty of time when that door was closed. 
Somebody say, the ancient door. Turn with us to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 22. For those who have found the ancient door, for those who are walking in this ancient path, the idea that there's an exclusivity, there's a, a, a narrow pathway for you to get to it, it actually brings great comfort to you. There should not be one who is actually walking with the Lord who finds these things to be uh, unnerving. If you're finding it to be unnerving, perhaps you found other doors than the one ancient door. Look at what Exodus chapter 12 and verse 22 says. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and both sides of the door frame. Now, I love my church. Man, I love this church so much. You probably already know that the word for door frame in the Hebrew is mezuzah. We're going to put the blood of this sacrificed lamb right here on the mezuzah. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway. Somebody say that doorway. that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. See here, the one ancient path here, the one ancient door that you could turn to was actually the door of your own home. <laughs> your sanctuary of salvation. God moved it and said, look, this is going to be for you. It's not just the blood that was applied. It's that you had to be within that door. The one door that you could be within was the door to your own house, the door to your own place. Look, this should get at immediately the idea that you can serve God anywhere. That lie that surfaces across Christianity that says you can serve God anywhere you like. We're going to find our own church. We're going to find something closer to us. I can serve God anywhere. This is not at all what this, the idea of the ancient door teaches you. You have one door that you can walk through and find salvation. You have one place that you can be and serve the Lord in a way that is pleasing to him unless you found some other alternative ancient door. There is literally only one place on earth that you or I can serve the Lord, and that's exactly where he's told you to be. That's exactly the door that you are supposed to stand under. Pastor, I, I did find the one ancient door to, to serve in my, my church. Okay. That it, it's online live streaming <laughs> services that do not meet together, but we can virtually be a church altogether there. Yeah, that's not a door. That's not even a door. They may call it a gateway, but it's not a door. <laughs> Come on. It's a window. That was for it's you, Jen, right there. Window. Okay. Good. It's a worldly gateway. See, the ancient door is all that stood between them and death until the dark days were, that the dark days were bringing. How long were they supposed to stay inside of that door? Until morning. Until the judgment of the dark day had passed and the light had dawned. It's hard for me not to think of 2 Peter 1.19. I'll just read it to you. We also have the prophetic message of something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it. Oh, come on now. Don't you like it when the Bible helps you out? You will do well to pay attention to this. As to a light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. 
I think that Peter here is thinking back to the Exodus. He's understanding that people who had gone into the singular ancient door and they found the sanctuary of salvation right where God planted them. And you are supposed to stay there and stay there and stay there all during the darkness of the days until the light of the morning star rises in your hearts. There is only one ancient door. There is only one ancient pathway for you and for me. You cannot serve God wherever you like. you got to find exactly where he's told you, and then you stay there until his light dawns in your heart, until the salvation, until his power, until the king of glory is able to come in because you have rightly stood there at the one ancient door. Look, many of you sitting in this room know from, from experience and your own testimony that when you have heard your shepherd's voice of where to plant yourself in a body, some of you has been actually where to plant yourself in a state, in a very city, even in a very neighborhood of where, where to have your family reside. That is lining up with the blood of the lamb being over your mezuzah, a redeemed mezuzah, so that the entrance into that home what was functioning underneath the redeemed blood of the lamb and empowered you to have death pass over where you are and life and ministry flow from your home. Look at your lives. See what God has done since he planted you here. Since you begin to walk in obedience following what the shepherd said and the ministry that has flowed from your very home. The resurrection power that's been in your discipleship. The life-giving power that's been in your marriage. The way that it is maximized in every way. Has your parenting improved since you've been in this church? So any fear, any faithlessness, any doubt of why did God put me in this church? I really have no purpose. Is a lie from the pit of hell. It is not the ancient door. Crush it immediately in the name of Jesus. Because all you have to do is look back and see what God brought you from and what he is bringing you to because you're planted in this church. Come on, we want to show you a slide here that will help you understand some of the things that we're saying. The word that we've been speaking to you about is a word in the Hebrew that's called patak. Everybody say patak. Patak. If you're really good at it, you have the little <laughs> in the back. Patak. This is the Hebrew word here. You see that it's an opening, it's an entrance, it's a door. The primary uses of it are entrance, doors, and doorways. Out of 160 uses of this word in the Older Testament, 144 of them deal with entrances, doors, and doorways. This is what you are overwhelmingly see. We've already covered several of the uses of this word in our time today. When we're talking to you about an ancient door from Psalm 24, it is an olam batak. It is an ancient door. In Genesis 6, it was in fact a door that was set inside in the side of the ark. In Exodus 12, it is the door that the Lord would in fact pass over. This is the, the theme of what we've been doing. I just have to tell you that after Exodus 12, the rest of the Torah is really dedicating the use of this single word almost entirely to speaking to you about the entrance of the tent of meeting. Almost every example after Exodus 12 that's used in the yeah. entirety of the word, uh, in the entirety of the Torah about this word is about the entrance to the tent of meeting with the very presence of God. 
that ancient, that one ancient door that was in fact leading you to the sanctuary. It was the sanctuary of salvation for all mankind, but that one door started with one people. That one door started with a single man, Abraham, and it moved to the people, the family, the nation that was his, namely the nation of Israel. By the way, it's an incredible thing. You guys are Bible scholars. You're becoming scholarly and anointed in your studies. When you look at this word, you realize that the pillar of fire or the pillar of cloud that would come and meet where uh, Moses would come out and meet with the Lord, it appeared at the Patak, the entrance, the doorway, the, the gate of the tent of meeting each and every time. This is actually the place where God would come to meet with man. Now that you understand a little bit about the Hebrew word, not only for the tent of meeting, not only for the tabernacle, but let's take a look at the temple itself. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 6 and keep working on this concept of the ancient door. 1 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 31. All right, y'all learning something this morning? We're preaching and teaching this morning. So 1 Kings 6 and verse 31. For the entrance, the patach, to the inner sanctuary, he made doors out of olive wood that were one-fifth of the width of the sanctuary. And on the two olive wood doors, he carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers, and overlaid the cherubim and palm trees with hammered gold. So this is the construction of the temple by Solomon. And there is an establishment of uh, these doors at the patak, at the entrance to the inner sanctuary. So just imagine in your mind, picture that you have a beginning at the eastern gate. In fact, that was the very picture of our title slide, a modern day picture of the eastern gate in Jerusalem. So you're beginning at this eastern gate. You go through these gates of praise. You go beyond the bronze altar. You have that miracle of the labor. And now we are entering the inner sanctuary. So Pastor Wade just walked you through. You had the tent of meeting. You had the tabernacle. And now we're at the temple. And we're entering into that inner sanctuary. Well, let's look at just some, some highlights of what we see in this passage and what it speaks in a deeper meaning. The ability to walk through this ancient door that went into the inner sanctuary, it hinges on your very relationship with the God of Israel. And what I mean is this, is that these doors were made of native, natural to Israel olive wood. That this very root of Israel, these branches that grew from this root of Israel that is Israel. Everything that we talked about and explained in thorough detail in John 15 a week or two ago. We now see that the, the ancient door is established by rightly engaging Israel and God's relationship with them and with you. So we've covered this pretty thoroughly in our perfecting our parenting class. How we have these stages of an olive seed that goes to an olive shoot that then they turn into this little sapling that then turns into a fruitful olive tree. See, this whole relationship and imagery that God has displayed in his word about olive wood 
is now seen as the very means of entering into his very inner sanctuary, knowing and getting to his throne. Well, notice here, in addition to the olive wood that's present, that we have carved cherubim. Carved cherubim in this door, guarding the entrance to the inner sanctuary. And those cherubim and the, uh, the palm trees were overlaid with divinity, with gold. Look, so yeah, put this all together. As you continue to move from the east, you go through a veil with cherubim worked into it that's guarding the most holy place. There's also two cherubim guarding the Ark of the Testimony, and those guys are covered with gold. So if you began at the gates of praise, move through all of the elements, you would first come through these doors with cherubim, then a veil with cherubim. And then by the time that you get to the very mercy seat, you had two cherubim there as well. Wow. It's like God is trying to rapidly get your attention the closer that you get to his throne. Letting you know that the authority and weight and seriousness of his presence is there. And to take notice and be aware of what's happening. It's almost like lift up your heads, you ancient doors. Enter through the one ancient door of the ark. Pay attention to the door of your very own house. So that death may pass you over and you can stand before the king of glory as he enters in through it. Church, what you should be hearing is the method that God keeps giving us so that we can be close to him. He is giving us an opportunity, and he's making sure that he guards that way. Turn with us to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to just take a quick detour to this. We're going to take a quick and make sure that we understand this idea of these cherubim that are guarding. Genesis 3, and let's look at verse 24. That ancient door that is a singular pathway. A narrow pathway that God is laying out for us. And he is involved and he is interested in having these cherubim guarded. That's what the doors were there in, as you entered in to the, to the holy place there. The inner sanctuary of the temple. Genesis 3.24 says this. After he drove the man out. After the man left the Garden of Eden. He placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim. He placed these angels there with a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. This idea, I grew up like many of you in here thinking that this angel, that these angels rather, plural, cherubim, were there to keep man from finding the path back to the Garden of Eden. Lest he would come back in and eat of the tree of life. That's the way that I grew up thinking about this and learning it, being taught this as a child. That is clearly opposite of what the direct scripture just says to us. The cherubim with flaming swords flashing back and forth were there to guard the way to the tree of life. God is causing this process. He's saying there's only one narrow door to be able to get where I am. And I want you to be able to find it. I want those who have clean hands and a pure heart who are not lifting their souls to an idol or swearing by what is false. Those are the one that I want to be with me. I want you to find this way. I want you to find this door. I want you to enter it today. Goodness gracious, what he wants from you. What he wants from you is for you to be close. What he wants from you, he is guarding a way for you to be successful in him. 
He is guarding a way for you to be victorious in him. My God, we need to know that he is protecting. He is guarding. He has got angelic beings who are standing there at the ever ready position to make sure like centurions, like the most elite watchmen you can imagine. These angelic beings are created to guard something for you. They are guarding that single ancient door. They are guarding the way back to the tree of life. Church, you have to understand that. Move this from some, yes, pastor, we know, because it's Genesis 3.24. Move it away from just theology somewhere vacant from you. Connect this to your heart today. God is protecting you. He is guarding a way for you. He is enabling you. He is calling you. He's prophesying to you. He's building you up. Why do you think he's doing that? So you'll fail? See, you know the right answer, but how are you feeling from day to day? Tell me when your circumstances change that you don't immediately go, Oh, I don't know if I can do this. He's calling you. He's guarding you. There's only one way you can go, but he is helping you to go in that way. He's showing you the ancient path. He's telling you it's time to pick a fight. Now, if you've ever actually been in a fight, anybody in this room ever actually been at, thank you. Some of you, I'm not sure about that. If you've ever actually been in a fight, there's an intensity that's there, but depending on the adversary, come on, even Lincoln's with us right now. <laughs> depending on the adversary, I promise your confidence can wane. You can look at somebody and be like, this one's going to hurt. <clears throat> I'm not sure if I'm going to win, but I know that I can't not at least try. Now, that's just in the natural. Put somebody to try to hurt my family, I promise. I promise. I don't care how many of you there are. You're all going to feel that you, had to, that you, really, you would have had to kill me to get to my family. What about a God who's protecting a way for you to be victorious? Mm. What about a God is saying, I don't care how big the enemy is because I'm going to empower you. You know why? Because it brings glory to the king of kings. Come on, I'm looking at Marlon and Lena right now. I see the spirit of, <laughs> can't explain how I can see it. I can see that the hand of God is upon you right now. He is trying to let you know that he is guarding a way to victory for you too. Amen. He is guarding you so that you can win and be victorious. He said, just come through this one door. Don't you worry about it. I've just come through the one door and I will empower you. I'm guarding the way to make sure that you're victorious. I won't let you fall off. I won't let you go the wrong way. I have got the way, the ancient door that you must go through. God is working on you today. I'm one of your pastors and I can feel it. I can feel that what we say, yes, we know the Lord is with us, but what you do is you walk out of this place and you actually doubt that almost every moment between the next time that we get back. I can feel it. And he's going to help you. Yeah. When he opens this door, there's no one that can close this door. If he's already closed it, there ain't nothing you can do to open it anyway. 
But he is opening doors for us in this place. Amen. And it's not just doors. He's opening the door for you in this place. Amen. Come on now. And it all happens on the east side. It all happens. Somebody say east side. East side. The same side where the gates of praise were. The same side that our great Messiah is going to enter in. The ancient door on the east side. And God is protecting it. Come on, turn with us to Ezekiel chapter 43. Say the ancient door whenever you get there. Are you getting encouraged this morning? Is pastor only preaching to about two or three in the room? No, you need, you need encouragement this morning, right? Amen. Verse 1, then the man brought me to the gate facing east, and I saw the glory of God, of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. That should sound familiar to some new students. The vision I saw was like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city. And like the visions I had seen by the Kabar River. And I fell face down. The glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. Then the spirit lifted me up and brought me to the inner court. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Do you see pashatly, plainly, obviously the direction in which things are happening? A gate that is facing east. The glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. Entering into that eastern gate. And the intent and purpose of entering through that or the ancient door. Was that his glory would fill the entire temple. Look. The eastern gate. This one ancient door. It's waiting for something. It's waiting for the king of glory to pass right through it. When we see this physical representation on earth, that live and living eastern gate that's walled up, walled up because the natural mind of men thought they could have bricks in the way of a king of glory. They thought they could have some natural obstacles to ob obstruct him from entering into that temple and his glory filling it. Let me tell you something. The king of glory that we serve will tread those bricks. He will crush them back to dust from which they were made. There are no obstacles that can hinder the ancient door because it is calling for its ancient king of glory. And he will enter into that temple. Just as in Exodus 12, the blood of the lamb applied to the patak of the home purchased those that dwelt within it. You see, why, is those, why are those ancient doors crying out for the king of glory to enter in because the king purchased them with his own blood it was applied directly to it it is his and it is who he is the glorious bloody sacrifice of this king it purchased the very sanctuary of salvation for all mankind but of course it started with his own people israel the very apple of his eye it purchased the temple, the throne that resides in Jerusalem. 
Look for further study, Exodus 4, I mean, uh, Ezekiel 43 and 44. They speak of an exalted prince, like the prince of peace. And this prince will come and fill the temple with the glory of the Lord. And Psalm 24 is calling for that same king of glory, that Mashiach, to come in to that very sanctuary of salvation so that all nations could experience it. Yeah, amen. This makes more sense when you think about what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Just as lightning is visible from the east, uh, is even visible in the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. See, this is what the psalmist crying out for. Lift up your head, you gates. Lift up your head, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in in power, in majesty, strong and mighty. This battle warrior king is going to be able to come through and there is nothing that's going to stop him. And there is nothing that can stop the faithful, chosen followers of God who come with him, those who are walking with him. Turn with us to John chapter 10. called chosen and faithful followers like revelation 17 says if you are walking in that one ancient path that one ancient way through the one ancient door you are called chosen faithful followers of him you will walk with him you will reign with him you will war with him and you will win with him john chapter 10 we're going to read this in the esv it says this, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way. Somebody say another way. Another way. That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The very mark of the shepherd of the sheep is the one who enters by the door. You're going to be able to see that there is a singular door and Jesus is now speaking to the Pharisees. He is speaking to the religious leaders yeah. and he's saying, hey, you guys have tried to climb in some other way. You've tried to go through an ancient, another uh, alternate ancient door, but there's only one door that you can enter and any other attempt, it's just you being a thief. Any other variation is you being a robber. You're actually trying to steal from the fold and not be a sheep following the shepherd. And Jesus is directly addressing this. Think about Jeremiah 18 when they're talking about the byways, all these alternative paths that are just filled with refuse. And Jesus is saying, you can't do that. I am standing here and I'm telling you that the one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. I'm going to keep going in verse 3. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Come on, this great shepherd is trying to call you today. Amen. He's been calling us for over 73 days for sure, but especially the last 73 days. He's calling to you, LCM. He's calling to you, Mandy. He's calling to you, Damien. He's calling to you, Ibrahim. He is calling to you, Ray Ludvigson. He's calling, and he's calling you by name, and he's saying, I know exactly who you are. I'm telling you who you are. I'm making into who I determine that you will be, and he's calling them, and actual sheep hear his voice. Has anybody heard the voice of the Lord say in yes. the last 73 days? Yes. Then you're a sheep who's hearing the shepherd's voice. He goes before them. I'm sorry, verse 4. When he has brought all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. 
Because they know his voice. That's what God is doing for you. That's what he's doing for me. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Listen to verse 6. This figure of speech Jesus used when he was with them, but they still didn't understand. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't this passage bring comfort to you? If you're an actual sheep following the voice of the shepherd, this passage should just melt your heart. Understanding that he has gone out before us. Like a great warrior king that we have that is going out in a kingly stride, ready for battle and saying, no, I'm bringing my army with me. I'm, I'm going out before them. I am making a way. I'm showing them the ancient path. And they're going to follow me and they're going to win because they're going to stay with me. That kind of a shepherd's voice is what's being spoken today. Let's look at verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, because they didn't understand previously what he was say, saying to them. So he said again to them, truly, truly, I say to you, Peshatli, I am the door of the sheep. Just clear it up. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Those thieves and robbers, those are the ones that advocated a byway that advocated variations to the ancient door to enter in. Look at verse 9, how he continues. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So the, the language, the homiletic, the example that Jesus is using is a shepherd and a sheep and a tending of sheep going in and, come and coming in and going out. And relating it to a pastor. Well, don't you know by now that every time that we read something in the Newer Testament, it is well founded in the Older Testament? Yeah. And this is something much deeper, you uh, ministry training one students, than it's just finding the word sheep or finding the word shepherd. It's the exact imagery, the relationship that Jesus has with his disciples. It's clearly, uh, pointedly seen in another scripture. Turn to Numbers 27 and look at verse 15 and think about what Jesus just said to these Pharisees and those who rightly and do not rightly relate to him. Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community. See, he is standing at the edge of looking over into Canaan, and it's the ending or nearing of his in, end of his days, and his heart is for his people, like a shepherd is for sheep. He says, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. And well, whenever the people hearing his example couldn't get it, he strengthened his example with a direct quote from Numbers 27, invoking that imagery of Moses being a shepherd over God's sheep. And he is imitating the great shepherd of Yahweh God, Yahweh Sabaoth, leading his people. And do you hear the cry, appoint somebody, 
appoint somebody over this nation that is yours, this nation that needs a shepherd to bring them to the ancient door that way they can inherit what has been promised. They can go to battle and win and conquer what has been laid before them. You know what the name of this one that God appointed was? Yehoshua. Was it Joshua or was it Jesus, Pastor? Yes, it was both. That Yahweh is salvation was the answer to be the shepherd of God's sheep that would lead them through the ancient door that is providing also a sanctuary of salvation. The last verse that Pastor read in John 10 was, I am the door. If, he if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. We'll go in and out and find pasture. The next verse says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have abundantly. Who's the thief in this? Obviously, the way that we most often interpret it in a daily manner is Satan. The thief. Satan comes in to, to steal and kill and destroy. The most literal translation of this as you're looking at it in context is the people who are entering by another door. What if we're not talking about someone else but the parts of your own life that are being stolen because you're looking for another door, another way, another method. This has got to be an easier way. There's got to be something that we can do instead of this. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing in this and this and this area, but this area, I'm just not sure about this whole thing. I'm not sure about this whole place that God has called us to. It's actually the men who are trying to enter in through another ancient door, an alternate ancient door that the thief is actually talking about. He had said it in verse 1. These are thieves and robbers. He had said it in verse 7. These are thieves and robbers. And he's saying the thief. Who is this that he's speaking of? He's speaking of men who are trying to do it a different way. Turn with us to Matthew chapter 7. Turn with us to Matthew chapter 7. I want you to take a look at verse 7. It says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. <laughs> Isn't this beautiful? You didn't know they had so many ancient doors that were just pushotly stated in scripture, did you? For everyone who asks, receives. Even you. Somebody say, even me. Now, some of you said that like a question. Even me? <laughs> Yes. Okay, I just implied from what I know about you. <laughs> that some of you are like, yes, everyone who asks receives. Even me? Yes, you. Yes, I'm talking to you today. Yes, I'm saying that once you are finding this right ancient door, that God is going to help you. He's going to strengthen you. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Amen. It's almost like Jeremiah 6, 16. And when it's saying, when you're asking for the ancient past, you're going to find it and you're going to be able to walk in it and Amen. find rest for your souls. Once the ancient door has been opened to you. And I know that this is a room that has many people who this singular ancient door has been opened to you. What I keep going back to, because I feel like it's an overwhelming sense that I have in my heart and I can't get away from it. 
I don't want it to go away. I'm telling you that God is saying, I can help you. I can strengthen you because I want you to walk in the way. The days that are ahead are going to demand that you understand whether you either are or aren't walking according to this ancient path to this ancient door. But when you are, but when you are actually walking according to this ancient door, then you should expect that every one of us will ask and receive. That every one of us will seek and find. That every one of us will knock and the door will rightly be open to you. And then, somebody say, and then? And then you can turn and begin to ask the Lord to open doors for other people. You can then begin to have that well up within you that says it can't just be for me. And let me tell you, the more that you focus on only you, the more you get confused. The more you get fearful. The more you're like, I'm not sure if I can. I, 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 yeah, stop. This can't be just you. He is empowering you. Yes. This open up, lift up your heads, you ancient doors. Don't look at your feet. Lift up your heads, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Strong and mighty, mighty in battle, that Yahweh Savaot is going to move Amen. in your life and what he does in you. There are others that you must go and get. There are others that need the door open, and he wants to use you. Mm. I don't mean you collectively. As some of you, I mean you singularly. But this is what he's working into us, church. Let's turn to Acts chapter 14 and see how this develops. You know, what pastor is, is addressing is immensely appropriate for us right now. It's building your courage to ask. Building your courage and confidence to knock. You ever gone up to somebody's house and may have been an odd time of the day or you're really hesitant about talking to them? You go to the door and you just tap, tap, tap. <laughs> tap, tap, tap. Well, I guess they're not home. We're not going to do that to the ancient door. No. We're going to knock with confidence. You're going to knock on the ancient door like my children knock on my bedroom door. Mom, I need to use your hairbrush. It's an emergency right now. There's an expectation that there's something on the other side of that door that I have and that I need right now. Is there something on the other side of the ancient door that you need? I don't mean collectively at LCM. I mean you personally need. Well, when you advance with force, knocking and asking with force, you're going to obtain what's on the other side, not just for you, but you will then possess what the nations need. Acts 14, 27, on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas were blazing a trail. They were pioneering an ancient path that led to an ancient door of salvation for the Gentiles. 
And we know through the multiple times that Paul writes in his epistles, this was a mystery kept hidden long ago, an ancient mystery. But now these guys got the revelation that Paul and Barnabas had entered in through that ancient door and understood what the sanctuary of salvation looked like and who could join them in entering into it. They went around preaching, strengthening disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith during hardships and even appointing elders and leaders of churches. They were setting up shop around the area of northern Israel and even into Mesopotamia and Asia Minor. But now, in this one spot of Antioch, it's the first place that they're called Christians. Is that the gospel is being extended to those who had never heard of the ancient door before. That their hearts were waiting for the king of glory to come in. The king of glory to bring salvation to them. That they would experience that blood over their patak. So that their house would be secured and salvation would fill it and death would pass right over. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16, 8. First Corinthians 16, 8 says, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, till Shavuot. Look at the reason why, verse 9, because a great door for effective work on, has opened to me. Yeah. And there are many who oppose me. Simultaneous. This might need to be just a, 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 a mini theme verse for some of us in this room. The Lord is trying to open a great door for effective work here in this house. God is going, he is working to open a great door of effective ministry here in this house. He's multiplying it. He's perfecting it. He's maximizing it. He is working on it in a way because there is a great door that is being opened. It's been opened to you, church. It's been opened to you. You are right in the midst of it. You are right at the precipice of something beyond your imagination happening in an ongoing way. It's one thing for a special event. It's another thing for God to change the trajectory of your life and open a great door for effective ministry. But you know what happens when he opens the great door for effective work? There are many who oppose you. Yes. Somebody say amen. Amen. And say it like Crestry you saw it. Amen. <laughs> if he's opening a great door for you, do not be surprised, little flock, that there are problems and difficulties that are coming your way. And I want to tell you that these are kind of the, uh, the low, easy ones that we're working through right now. Some of you just went, oh. No. Joy should rise up in your heart. Amen. Yes. Yes. These are the ones that I can practice on. These are the ones when I'm physically sick, I just push through. These are the ones I just keep going on because my God is with me and he is opening up a great door. If you don't want the opposition, then you don't get the great door open. If every time opposition comes along, you stop and back away from the great door for effective work that's being opened. No wonder most of Christianity never has a great door open to them. 
and you and I know, both know that this is not just a great door. It's the great ancient door that's Amen. being opened to you. Amen. Let there be some resolve in your spirit. Rise up. Yeah. There are some of you in this place that God has prophesied more to you in the last 73 days than maybe any other people group could ever hope to get. And instead of it producing a fire in your soul, you become nervous and fearful. Like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. The God of all creation just spoke to you. How about we give a moratorium for at least 24 hours before you feel like a total failure? <laughs> 24 years would be great. <laughs> we can't make it 24 hours before we're like, oh, he just spoke to me. I'm not fear. <sighs> I am mocking it. I'm making fun of it. Because you should do the same. Amen. You should be like, man, I can't believe I just thought that for like two minutes. Huh, what was I thinking? That's ridiculous. Amen. The king of glory is about to come in. Yeah. Strong in battle, mighty to save. He's with me. Amen. Look, look at how fleshly I, I got nervous for a minute. Huh, how stupid of me. A great door for effective work has been opened to you. There are many who oppose you. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God. Praise God that you're seeing some opposition. Praise God, because that just might mean that you're right there at the opening of a great work that he wants to do inside of you. Turn to Revelation chapter 3. Come on, are you shaking off faithlessness? You're stopping it under your feet? The king of glory is entering in. Oh, I, I hope you caught that direct connection. That when, there, when a great door for effective work is open, you will have opposition. But listen to the certainty in Revelation 3, 7 through 8. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true. Who holds the key of David. What he opens, most cannot shut. Nope, 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 nope. What he opens, no one can shut. No matter how much opposition arises, the ancient door that the key of David in the hand of Jesus opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Let's put this in practical terms. When opposition arises and you have that two-second, microsecond, really, really dumb and stupid thought that Pastor was just talking about, in that moment, the door, the ancient door, the great ancient door, is still standing open to enter into his presence and get to that holy of holies. That door is still open for you to enter into his counsel and receive that life-giving word that not only resurrects your soul, it begins to bring resurrection power to everyone you speak it to. And the doors that he shuts, no one can open. He is able to save and protect you in a way that nothing can destroy you. It will oppose you, but it will not destroy you. 
and every bit of opposition that arises only validates the great ancient door that much more. Verse 8, I know your deeds. See, I place before you an open door. I place before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have little strength. I know you can't do this on your own. Why do you think I spoke to you? If you could, you would have done it already. Your mezuzah cannot be filled in your own strength. The call of God in your life cannot be filled in your own strength. He knows you have little strength. Yet, you have kept my word and have did not, not denied my name. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be the king of glory that will enter in through the ancient door ahead of you. And I'm going to take you right with me and give you the power that I have over it. If God has opened the way out, no man can shut it but God. But what he opens, no one can shut. Just like that ark that rested on the ancient mountain of Mount Ararat. When God was restoring and replenishing the earth, that ancient door was open and creation and life began to teem again on earth. Everyone had to come out at that point because there was work to do for putting his kingdom on earth. Turn to Matthew chapter 7 as we get ready to close. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. We're going to read this to you from the ESV. Ooh, when he opens it, <laughs> ain't nobody can close it. Matthew 7, 13 says this, enter by the narrow gate. By the way, this is the cognate for the word in Psalm 24, verse 7, the ancient door. Exact same word, just through the languages. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Oh, you want an easy path? Yeah, that's going to lead you to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. You can't look to others. You're going to have to look to the ancient source. For the gate is narrow. This door is narrow. And the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. See, this is not the time for you to be looking for an easier path. God is not like Google Maps. I'd like to have an alternate route, please. Oh, I'd like to uncheck the box that says tolls are acceptable. I don't want to have to pay a toll. I want to go an easier route. Can we pick an easier route? Yeah, that's plenty of easy routes there. Might be quicker. You might feel much better about yourself on any given day if you go that route. But that end of that route is destruction. There is a narrow door that you have to come through. There is only one narrow way that you can pass through. But when he opens it to you, when he gets there and you see what it is, it is so narrow, in fact, that you might have to trim some things away. You might need some trim, trim some things away from your life so that you can get through the narrowness of this door. Let's say it in the way that the Bible would say it. You might need to circumcise some things away from you. Amen. Church, I am calling you today 
that you need to circumcise away any alternate ancient doors that you're looking for. Can we do this easier? Do we have to do it this way? Can't we just relax a little bit? No. You don't relax in wartime. That's not the time to relax. That's the time to fight. You got to circumcise those wide, easy paths that many people are on. You have to get to the narrow door, that way that is difficult, that few find. We're going to make sure that there's not a few in this room, but compared to the world, it's always, we're always going to be the few. We're going to be few in number, but we're going to have one purpose. And that one purpose is to walk through the narrowness of the ancient door. You need to circumcise away fear. Have we said that enough today? This fear where you're saying one thing, but the moment you leave, and maybe the truth is, is you don't even have to leave. Let's be real. You hear about something and you're like, yeah, I'm just not sure that I can do that. What if I don't say the right thing? You have to circumcise away fear to get through this narrow door. This narrower fear of failure. May the fear of failure be damned in your life. If you're afraid of failing, the only way you're not going to fail is to not do anything, which is the ultimate failure. Go do something for the Lord. Walk into His way. Enter into His door. Let fear be damned inside of you. You should laugh at it. <laughs> that was so stupid of me. I was afraid for a few minutes. See, some of you just realize what I'm doing there. And I'm mocking it for a few minutes, but we walk in it for hours and days and weeks and months and years. I'm mocking it at the minute level. You know what that means? That means you got to circumcise fear of failure out of your life. Amen. Being overwhelmed by the very hope and promise that God has given you. The calling is too big. Yes. Of course it is. This way is difficult. There's only a few that find it. Praise God, I must have found the actual narrow door. I must have found the ancient one that God has opened for me. It's amazing what happens when our attitude changes. You've got to circumcise whatever you've got to circumcise away today, church, so that you can enter into this narrow, ancient door. Do you want to have clean hands? Do you want to have a pure heart? Do you want to remove all idolatry and alternate ancient doors? This begins with rightly engaging in the first step of approaching God. You know, we went through Psalm 24, and it, it's a beautiful progression of how you get to that point of having clean hands, pure heart, and no idolatry. It's first recognizing the greatness of our God, that He is the one who made the earth and everything in it. He made everyone who lives in it. He founded it on the seas and established it on its waters. You know how you circumcise away this faithlessness and despair and feeling that I can't do it? You lift up your head and begin to recognize first who God is. This is what we mean by being God conscious. When you're lifting up your heads rightly at the gates of praise, recognizing who he is, you then begin to find the answer of who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord. Who may stand in his holy place. It's those that have found that narrow ancient door that is ever narrowing. You realize that about 
following Yeshua as your great shepherd, it's an ever-narrowing door. You go from the gates of praise to now dealing with sin at the bronze altar, but praise God, that's not where it stops. That's a, this is all part of that circumcision process, getting your eyes off yourself and on him so that you can rightly crucify what needs to die inside of you. And then you move forward to that miracle of the labor where you're standing there with confidence and you look at the works that God has given you to do and you see them from an unmixed point of view. That I am able to approach that ancient door with clean hands. Now my heart is unmixed with anything else. All those stupid thoughts are crucified and dead. And there's no idolatry within me. I can rightly move forward with confidence to that holy place. And it's in that holy place where there's his menorah and his showbread that you receive blessings from the Lord and vindication. It's there you can stand rightly and have the spirit and the word joined together and say, you are moving in the right direction. You are doing exactly what I want you to do. You are heading towards that ancient door that the king of glory is entering in through. Such is the generation who seek him, who seek your face. Seek your lachem panim, the bread of your face. Well, isn't it good whenever we're entering through that ancient door and his word comes alive to you? It speaks to you about you, but what you can be inside of him. And the response in Psalm 24 is lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. This is a lifting up and recognizing your partnership with God. So let's do this. Everybody stand to your feet. We're going to lift up our heads. We're going to lift up the ancient door. We're going to expect the king of glory to come in because we want to partner with him. We want to join the Lord who is strong and mighty and mighty in battle. We want to be empowered by his holiness at work within us. But we're going to start in the right place. We're going to fix our eyes on the greatness of our God. We're going to allow his word and his spirit to circumcise our hearts and lead us through the ancient door that is his throne. As we begin to pray, it's time to circumcise your heart so that you can actually fully enter in. You've got a king who is calling us to be bold and to be fearless today. Raise up your hands to the heavens.